If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm Pat Mayo with the Fantasy Sports Network, and you're listening to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast. It's your host, Seth Lull, switching things up a little bit today. Joined, as usual, by my co-host, Jeff Carrier. And Jeff, we got, a, we got a really interesting episode lined up for our listeners today. We got Pat Mayo with the Fantasy Sports Network here to talk all things fantasy sports as people get geared up and ready to go for their drafts. And Jeff, you and I just did our first fantasy football draft of the year last night at 11 p.m. Yep, 11 p.m. Um, that's exactly when we do all our fantasy football drafts, apparently. And um, just kidding aside, but we we were getting a little antsy, and we were just itching to get into a real situation, right? A real draft. You could do all these mocks all you want, but until you get into a real draft, seeing how people actually have a little bit of money on the line. So we entered a small, quick $50 online draft, and we actually talked a lot with Pat Mayo about that um, in our interview with him and and Seth, how cool would it be to say, oh, I work at the Fantasy Sports Network. I mean, that's all I do is I work at the Fantasy Sports Network and I talk fantasy sports all day. I know it's like everyone's dream job. I mean, that's nothing. Nothing is better than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I envy Pat for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but before we get into that, which I think is a great interview, we talk a little bit about our team and our draft and, and some of the experiences that we had last night with that. Um, let's jump into a quick review and then a listener question. Uh, the review comes in, Seth, from Nick M five eight five. Says against the grain. I would say this. I would say the subject is the best way to describe this podcast. These guys do against. Uh, these guys go against the grain, and I like the perspective. I see some RBs that are going in the first round of mocks, and you have them as good picks. If they were in the second and third rounds, it helps to know who to stay away from. Anyone can just go with that ESPN or NFL says. Yeah, I mean, I think it's well said. I think we like to to separate ourselves from some of the other, you know, the, the usual suspects out there. We all know who they are. And I think people come to us from a, a fresh perspective. They don't always have to agree with us. But I feel like, you know, they're, they're, people are getting things um, – you know, we offer a different perspective, and they're they're getting it um, a different way when they come to NFL Talking Heads. Yeah, and I think everyone would do themselves uh, a service of not going just to your standard ESPN NFL um, network stuff. I just, I mean, I just, I feel like the information and content they're putting out. Um, not to say that any of their individual, you know, uh, quote unquote experts aren't great, but I just feel like you can get a whole lot more elsewhere right they're just putting out your standard lists your standard rankings and not giving you a whole lot of else of information so it's great that uh nick m585 uh found us and we appreciate the review and let's follow that up seth with a uh listener question submitted from courtney cook and i think seth that we uh we need to get um, our listeners helped us out with the wall, the wager wall. You know, we didn't know how to what we wanted to name it. We need to come up with a name for our listeners, right? Some type of fantasy squad or something. I don't know. I don't know. But everyone who's listening right now, what you know, we need to be able to reach out and identify with you guys. What is what should we call our listener base? So let's put that out there, Seth, because. You know, we're not going to be able to think of anything intelligent enough. So we might as well just let the listeners do it. Let's get them engaged and, you know, let's see what the feedback comes. Sounds good to me. Okay. She says, first off, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. All right. We got a fellow Bostonian. Uh, But from Cali, Cali, uh, she said, said you wanted to hear where people were from, LOL. 
Now, Seth, there's a couple of these that are coming in now that I can't tell from the review in the last episode where you're like, people just love throwing around the LOL. People, I think, are just throwing in L. I can't tell them the LOL is in the right spot here or they just start throwing around the LOL because you started making some comment last episode. I mean, I feel like it's just that you're reading too much in this LOL thing. People just say LOL. Like sometimes I'll like, you know, when my internal at work, my internal messaging system, when I'm like chatting with my coworkers, I'll just put an LOL in there. Even when like I'm not laughing or it's not funny. I mean, people just use LOL. It's very conversational. So right? you're so, over. So you're overusing LOL. Yes, correct. I'll be the first to admit it. I do overuse LOL. Right. Some people, some some people say ha ha ha. I, I usually just do LOL. It's easier. Um, but why do you but, use LOL when you're not even laughing? I don't get it. I don't know. It's just a habit, and it's a bad habit. Yeah. All right, interesting. Um, all right, so uh, said you want to hear from where people were from. Awesome. So she's from Boston right now, from Cali. And I've been addicted to your podcast this past week while at work. Hopefully she's accomplishing something at work, of course. Um, So this is my first year doing a season-long fantasy team. I know more strategy goes into choosing a season-long team opposed to FanDuel. Help! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Don't want to look ridiculous on draft day and don't want to lose to my boyfriend either. Ha ha. So she's throwing in both, Seth. Yeah, um, well, uh, unfortunately for her boyfriend, she's listening to the NFL Talking Heads, so I think she stands a pretty good chance of beating her boyfriend this year. Um, I'd be interested to see if, I mean, is, is her boyfriend listening to us as well, or is it, does he know that she's listening to us? I mean, that's a good question. Th- these, are, these are questions we need answered. That's true, that's true. Uh, she also does not give us any indication on anything about her league, but... Let's give her a couple good general overview things, set that she can do. I mean, I think first off, she can get the top 30 that we have, right? Um, our top 30 consensus, and at least use that for the first two rounds at the minimum, maybe maybe three. Uh, but from there, what else would you say to, to Courtney as she kind of tries to, to plan her league? And, well, I think, like you said, a big thing, a really important thing is, what the roster construction is. Is it a two quarterback league? Is it, was it a shallow league like our draft was last night where it's two running backs, two receivers, one flex. I think the one, one tip that I could give would be don't let what other people are doing in the draft, you know, influence you too much. Just, just be disciplined, stick to your game plan. Don't get rattled. If you see people reach reaching on running backs and then it's a domino effect where everybody's like, Oh, I need a running back. Like don't overdraft just to get a running back. Just go for the best available player. Within reason, of course, right? I, I'm always a big fan of just going for the best available player. It's a long season. You know, even if, like, our draft that we'll talk about last night, like, we had some really good receivers that end up going on our bench, right, instead of going for an average starting running back. I mean, at the end of the day, you need to take the best available players possible because you can always move them in trades. Um, there's injuries. There's bye weeks. So I, I would stick to your game plan, be disciplined, and don't let what other people are doing in the draft influence you too much. Just, just do you, and um, just make sure you make the best. Take it one pick at a time. And if she isn't a one quarterback league, I would say you know a simple advice too, as we've kind of talked a lot about it on the show, it would be to wait on a quarterback. Wait till at least the eighth round, probably, yep. and and then just kind of go off of your board from there. Um, and and it's best to to create a a board of some sort, um, draft sheets, value based value uh, value based drafting sheets, um, whatever that might be. Um, we have our top thirty that you can go off of, but it'd be good to reference uh, something else and use them in tiers too. If you can if you can find tiers and go off of that. But like Seth said, don't get rattled, don't follow the trend, wait on a quarterback. And you unless you get the top three tight ends, you might want to wait on tight ends as well. Yeah, and the other thing too is, is well, yeah, like tight ends, a really good point. I was actually going to say Gronk's going to go in the first two rounds. Jordan Reed's probably going to go in, in rounds three or four, and then like you're going to see like another domino effect with tight ends. So Greg Olson, like if you can't get one of the top three tight ends at like a decent value, like we're okay taking Jimmy uh, Jordan Reed in um, the fourth round, maybe Greg Olson in the fifth. After that, it's like you need to just wait on the only two other tight ends that we really like. Um, to take you know in the you know the top nine rounds would be Zach Ertz and um, Delaney Walker. After that, it's a crapshoot. At, at that point, you're just waiting till the very end to take tight ends. Don't 
you know, don't panic. Don't feel like you have to reach to take a tight end just because you see tight ends going off the board. If you're not getting uh, Greg Olson, Jordan Reed, or Rob Gronkowski, you probably want to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, wait till later in the draft. Don't reach on these tight ends. Yeah, you're probably going to end up waiting until at least the eighth round at that point because even even though we do like Ertz and Delaney Walker, they're still typically going a lot higher than we would like because of that domino effect as well. Yep. Okay, anything else, Seth, you want to add to that uh, that might be good for Courtney as she slaughters her boyfriend this upcoming season? Um, so I would say, Courtney, feel free to, to send us another question or, or email us and, and give us a little more background as far as like what your, your league scoring is, what the roster construction is, how many bench spots you have, is it two-quarterback, one-quarterback league? Any information we have would be helpful. Then we can really give you some some better, more meaningful advice. But, yeah, I think that's a good start. Absolutely. And of course, everyone, you know, uh, we're going to try and answer all these questions for you as, as much detail as possible. But you can always look at the fantasy draft roadmap that we have on our website, NFLTalkingHeads.com. And uh, that's going to be about as in depth, customized, hands on solution as you can get right there. Um, it even has a post draft grade report card analysis as well. So, and for our website, since it's so new, we've kind of got some feedback. Um, instead of just typing in NFL Talking Heads in the Google search, you're going to get about every podcast you know platform that we're on, including Twitter. But our website's not going to come up, so you got you got to type it in the URL. It, it exists. It's NFLTalkingHeads.com, and there you can submit your question um, and take a look at the draft roadmap if you want as well. And let's let's set. I got one more uh, listener question. Actually, I forgot to prep you on. So that's fine. I don't I don't need to be prepped. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm from a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Just bring it on. Okay. Uh, this is actually a very interesting one. Um, before I kind of get into this, this is a a good friend of the show that's actually um, in the area that I'm in in Asheville, North Carolina. And me and Seth, you know, just as he said with uh, e- emailing us some more information, we want to get everyone engaged. Right? You know, connect with us offline and on, on email connect us on instagram or twitter you know we definitely want to be i don't know we just we want to get connected to the listeners right seth yeah there's nothing nothing more we like than hearing from people that listen to us and fielding your questions like we, at the end of the day we're, we're we're fantasy players like you guys are right we want to help you out however we can so you can win your leagues um so you know just Feel free to pepper us with questions. Send us emails. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. We, you know, we love hearing from you guys. Okay. Well, this one is uh, coming in from Scott Finney. Okay, and he says he's call me crazy, but I've got a wall bet for Seth Lull. So Seth, he's proposing a throw it on the wall bet for you. Okay, it, it's almost like our listeners like look at me as somebody that has a gambling problem i feel like whenever someone has a wall bet they they always come to me i don't know if i should be happy about that or if i should be worried i mean i, I don't know but I, I'm, I'm interested to hear this wall bet i'm, I'm never shy away from bets so no nope. what does scotty got for us and and again this is this i failed to let seth know in advance of of this so we'll we'll, we'll play it by uh, the seat of our pants here and he says i will bet him a beer uh oh uh-oh. Let's well, let's let's tone it down with these high stakes bets. I mean, I, I don't know if this, uh, all right. Well, let's let's see what he, let's see what he's got. I don't I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to be able to commit to that a whole beer. Well, <laughs> uh, but it has to be in the other person's city. That's, interesting. Okay. Interesting. Now you now, <laughs> or I will go there. So either you have to fly all the way down here, or he's got to go all the way up there. I mean, this is some cool listener interaction. I, I feel like it'll have to be a, at least a few beers if we're going to make the the trip from either North Carolina to Boston or Boston to North Carolina. Right. Uh, he says I will bet D'Angelo Williams will have more points than Le'Veon Bell, but he might need some points. Now, Seth, I don't know if he just wants to fly up and have a beer with you, or he's he actually thinks this is a good bet you know it, it might not be a bad strategy for for scotty like if, if i was him i would just want to have a few drinks with me so i would just want to come up and, and see me in boston and i would just make a you know offer up a terrible bet that i knew i was going to lose which it sounds like scotty's doing because Le'Veon bell i mean even the craziest uh, people would not think that Le'Veon bell is going to have less fantasy points than d'angelo williams um, now I don't really know what he means by he wants some. He's going to need some points. I mean, what is we well, define some you, points? Well, I don't know. He, he just he just said whatever you 
feel comfortable with, I guess. I mean, okay. same way that you gave, I gave you 10 points on our AJ Green, Le'Veon Bell bet. Okay, how about this? I, I will take Scotty's bet, and I will give him a 50-point spread. 50? 50. I'm going to give him 50 points. This is, how, this is how confident I feel in this bet. Le'Veon Bell will have at least 51 more. So we'll say 50, 50 and a half. Le'Veon Bell is going to have 51 more points than D'Angelo Williams. All right. Let's throw it on the wall. Throw it on the wall. Great. Now let's get to our interview with Pat Mayo. And now we welcome to the show Pat Mayo of Fantasy Sports Network. He has everyone's favorite job working at Fantasy Sports Network, and he's got the best last name in the industry, Mayo. Thanks, Pat, for joining us. I'm getting married soon. We were talking about changing our last names. Oh, no. Kimbani. But the good thing is it would go from Mayo to Heyo, which may actually be better, I think. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I know when we were conversing offline through email, your signature was just Mayo. And I was like, man, I really got to I gotta really got to figure out something cool to change my last name to. <laughs> Listen, if for all people know, Mayo is just a stage name. It's not, but it could be. It could be, sure. <laughs> uh, well, we really thank uh, you for taking a few moments today on a Saturday to talking with us. Um, we've got a couple of things that we want to touch base on. And the first was me and Seth did um, a quick draft last night. You know, we were getting a little antsy, so we're like, you know what? Let's just go jump into one of these drafts that's about to it's about to start tonight and and get some warm up, some practice coming in because we haven't any done any real drafts yet. And one of the things that we wanted to ask you about was all of these leagues that have like a one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one flex. Um, and we did a twelve person league, but we feel like. It's still a very small roster. There's still so many people that you can get, and not a lot of leagues are also adopting the two quarterbacks. So I wanted to get your thoughts in terms of just leagues adopting bigger rosters and two quarterbacks. If it was me, I like the extra flex spots. Like, I don't love two quarterback leagues. I mean, they're fun. I wouldn't want my main league to be a two quarterback league. But uh, Jake Seeley set up a pretty decent roster construction. It's a quarterback. You have to play two running backs. You have to play three wide receivers. You have to play one tight end. And then you have three leftover bench spot or flex spots that you can play from any position besides quarterback. Uh, and there's no kickers in the league either. So you really have to maximize your team because you only have like four bench spots and you actually have to actively play 10 guys. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that uh, me and Seth are in a few leagues are, are similar to that. I really think that the mandatory three wide receivers is something with all these receivers available that you really have to put in place. That's our that's our thought, at least. Hey, it's funny. I actually just scaled it back in my home league uh, based on the, the will of the people I wanted to do. Uh, for the longest time, we haven't had a flex spot. It was just steadfast quarterback, two wide or three wide receivers, two running backs, tight end, kicker, whatever. We got rid of kickers, added a flex, but we took away one of the wide receiver spots because we upped the league to 16 teams, and it just seemed at that point where it might be a bit harder because this isn't like an experts league or anything like that. It's a league I play with my friends. Some people just don't have the time to go scanning the waiver wire as deep as it would be for a 16-team league. So we felt like you know taking away one of the spots might just be best for everyone. Yeah, I mean, we had um, – so, Jeff, and our, our team we drafted last night, looks like we're going to go into the year with John Brown and Tyler Lockett on our bench. I mean, I, that's, that's – Yeah, I, I feel like that's – it just gets to the point of craziness when you have John Brown and Tyler Lockett on your bench. I feel like those are play, those are receivers that should be starting for every single team. You should have deep enough rosters where they're starting. And where where did you do the draft at? Seth, Seth found some weird website, by the way. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is, could be any more hilarious on where he found this. I'm like, why don't you check out FFPC or something else normal? But he found – what was it, Seth? Uh, fuzzies, fantasy football. It, it, was, <laughs> it was a disaster. I was searching for fantasy leagues. He was like, you know, I want to do a draft tonight. Let's see what leagues are open tonight. And I, I found this um, – the one thing that I liked about it was there was head-to-head matchups. Jeff, the other, one, the other side that you recommended to me – was um, just overall points. There was no head-to-head matchups throughout the year, so that's why we picked this one. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a spur-of-the-moment thing. But yeah, just one flex spot, a ton of good players. I mean, we actually, yeah, I don't know. Would have would have rather found a league with more flex spots, though. So that that's a real team? It wasn't just a mock draft? 
Yeah, real team. Our first picks. We had we had the twelfth pick too, so it was a twelve team league. Me and Jeff got um, the short end of the stick. Got the twelfth overall pick, so we ended up taking Jamal Charles, Allen Robinson back to back there. PPR league. What what's what's your thought, Pat, on draft selection? Because this was a non third round reversal, um, and if whoa, you, whoa, whoa, it, it's a non third round reversal. So when you got back to the third round, like you lost, you had yeah. to pick last in the fourth round again. It, it, it last in the third round. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah. So we got shafted. Um, that's horrible. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, so that's that's why we're. I was giving Seth a hard time about it. It was. Luckily, it was pure practice and pure last spur of the moment. But it, I mean, there were some very intriguing picks in this. And I mean, it's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over forty and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Intriguing in the, the most generous way I could. Um, well, let me ask you, where do you want to draft your pick in the first round? And then after that, where, what are your thoughts on Josh Gordon as a whole? Oh, okay. Well, fortunately, I don't have to take him with one of those picks that I would want in the first round, but uh, I want picks one, two, or three. If I have to pick one, two, or three is where you want to go. Getting one of those receivers, um, Jones, Brown, or uh, OBJ. Sorry, it's early in the morning and my mind is not working yet. Um, So not only do you get one of those three guys, the benefit of it too, especially in like a 12-teamer, is the guys that are available when it gets back to you yep. are all really good as well. Like I just did one out of the 12 spot as well, a real draft last weekend, and I feel like I, I know my team would have been better because I could have had one of the same guys likely uh, if I had just picked from the one, two, or three spot. So I think the three is a bit better. I don't love picking on the turn, so I don't think there's a big distinction between the top three guys, who, whichever one falls to you. That's great. And then on the way back, you do get to pick a little bit earlier in the second round, and you get to really hit the last players on that like talent cliff in the third round before it starts to drop off a little bit. So if you wanted to start a team, let's say Julio falls to you at three, you go Julio at three, and you mentioned you take, took Charles at the swing. I've seen Charles go as late as like early third round. Like He's falling in draft uh, yeah, because yeah. people don't want running backs this year. And if you can get him there, if you can get Mike Evans there, Elshon Jeffrey there, or even LaShawn McCoy in the early in the early part of the third round, Brendan Cooks could be there too in a PPR. So I just like the way that your team looks after three rounds if you pick from the one, two, three spot. And with Josh Gordon, I'd take him in the sixth round. I keep seeing him go in the fifth round, but I take him in the sixth. Really? So that's that's I mean, that's higher than we would take him. What's what's kind of your thought process there? I'd like to like to hear that just, you know, to hear our listeners, because we've been kind of preaching like there's just too much uncertainty there for us. But I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it depends on how you play the fantasy football owner you are and what the rest of your team looks like, frankly, like um, if I don't have any running backs at that point, which is somewhat likely if I go through five rounds, I might not have taken a running back yet, depending on the league. And if that's the case, I might have to take someone like I keep getting Arian Foster in the sixth round, which is hilarious, but that's a guy that keeps ending up on all my teams. Um, but with Gordon, it's a shot in the dark, like you know, sixth round, seventh round. What are you really getting in that round? Like, I mean, you mentioned to me, Tyler Lockett. I keep seeing him go way higher than that. But I assume that's where you guys got him, like fifth, sixth, seventh round, if he's on your bench? 
in the seventh round for Lockett. Yeah, that's so nuts. Um, that's probably not going to be a regular occurrence. I mean, if it is, take Tower Lockett, go nuts. Uh, that that'd be perfect. But with Josh Gordon. I mean, you have the baked-in upside, and one thing that I always really like to do, and I saw this with Josh Gordon when he was suspended for the nine games, and I kept him on my roster and took him in the like eighth round that year, was the closer these guys get to coming back, the more you can trade them for, even if they do nothing. So if you're struggling with Josh Gordon on your team after three weeks, the hype will begin in week four. So he'll miss that game, and people will be like, oh, man, I need Josh Gordon. Oh, he looks good in camp. And you can basically sell him for... 150% of the draft price that you got him for, as weird as that sounds. Uh, or you can just keep him and you know hope for the best. Maybe he sucks, who knows, but I'm willing to make that investment. And if it doesn't work out, I feel like I can make a trade, I can make a waiver wire move. I feel like the guys that I draft in the later rounds are good enough that I can overcome you know a crappy sixth-round pick. Like It's not the end of the world. And, uh, and Pat, here, here's a, the situation we were in, pick 12. So I wanted to get your opinion on this. So we took Jamal Charles at 12. We, we knew that's who we wanted, that's who we were targeting. We would have loved for A.J. Green to fall to us, but that was wishful Ooh. thinking. Um, but here is the uh, the receiver position we were in. So we, there's three receivers we were eyeing on the back-to-back picks after we took Charles. We had Keenan Allen, Brandon Marshall, Allen Robinson. We went with Allen Robinson. I was making a, a late push for, for Brandon Marshall. I love Brandon Marshall this year. I've always loved him. What are your thoughts on that um, wide receiver conundrum we were in? Did we make the right pick? Would you have taken Allen Robinson over Keenan Allen, Brandon Marshall there? Uh, I would have taken Allen Robinson over Keenan Allen. I would have went Brandon Marshall and Allen Robinson with that pick. I, I just, if especially in a PPR league, if it was a standard league, maybe not so much. Shut that dog up. You tell him to go away. <laughs> um, the reception total for Brandon Marshall is just going yeah. to be so high and so consistent every week. I mean, you could make a case for Keenan Allen over Allen Robinson in a PPR if you wanted, only because I'm kind of down on the Jags' offense this year. I think they overachieved big time last season. And with Allen Robinson, I mean, the 14 touchdowns are coming back down to earth. He's not going to catch 11 red zone touchdowns again. They're probably not going to throw. Uh, if, when you look at they throw almost 80% of the time inside the five-yard line. They go and they sign Chris Ivory, presumably to hand the ball off to him because he's an excellent goal line back so maybe they don't throw to Allen Robinson as much it's just the game to game it's he's almost like advanced to Murray Cooper there's gonna be games where Allen Robinson has eight catches for 141 yards and two touchdowns but he is going to have those two for 23 games they're gonna be spaced out they might be two all season but with Brandon Marshall that doesn't really happen was Mike Evans available at that pick by chance yes he was yeah. that was the pick Mike Evans and Alshon Jeffrey that's what I wanted to turn in my uh 12 PPR I didn't want to take Alshon there but I love Alshon and I knew he wasn't getting back to me 23 picks later, so I went for it. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Mike Evans, this is this is funny because this is why we didn't want to be at the 12 spot on where we didn't get the third round reversal because Mike Evans ended up going eight picks into the third round. Whoa! How, how crazy is that? But we couldn't we couldn't get him. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, that also speaks to why, like, if you pick with the third pick, right. just think about how good your team could be. Yep. And with, you know, with only two receiver spots, you can start and then one flex. You only start a max of three receivers, so I always want to go receiver, 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 wait on running backs, but it gets to a point where, you know, I I got to take running backs to start. I don't want to end up starting in James White, you know, in one of my running back slots when I have and have Larry Fitzgerald, Tyler Lockett, John Brown on my bench. It gets to a point where you can only have so many great receivers that you can't start that you have to force yourself to take a good running back here and there. That's the that's the problem. That's That's why I, I, I like deeper leagues. I guess so, but like even in rounds four and five in this league, like what do you have the draft resu- draft results in front of you? I do actually. I can't get the screenshots. Uh, what uh, what running backs went like the fourth, fifth, and sixth round? Like, are you looking at? I'm I mean, just trying to. You're looking what? at like a Thomas Rawls, Demarco Murray. Um, the fifth round had some other good people like Jonathan Stewart that we didn't mind. Um, when did Foster go? I'm curious to know. I asked. He went, he went the fifth. Okay, so he went the fifth. When did Woodhead go? Fifth. Went in the fifth, last pick in the fifth round. Like, if you wanted to go round, if you went receiver, first receiver. first pick in the fifth round, actually. Yeah, if you went receiver, 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 uh, and then you went something like Woodhead Foster in the next two rounds, like, that, that sounds like a pretty good team. All right, Jeff, should, should we tell him our first, uh, our first four picks, just to give him a little, a little context here? I, I, I don't care. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, it wasn't. All right, so we, we ended up going Jamal Charles, Allen Robinson, then we got Randall Cobb, and we made it. We had to make a decision um, because we already had two really good receivers. We ended up going Jordan Reed um, oh. with the fourth pick. I, I, that, the, 
that, that's exactly how my team basically turned out, too. I took Jordan Reed in the fourth round with the first pick as well. Huh. Perfect. See, Jeff, I'm glad I asked that question. We got some, yeah. got some a validation there. But I think that, that we brought Thomas Rawls, and that's a good transition. One of the questions, Pat, that, that I want to ask, and we've talked about this for a while, is it seemed like towards the end of last year, Thomas Rawls and Jeremy Langford both seemed to be the heir parents to Matt Forte and Marshawn Lynch. They had a lot of momentum building up towards the end of last year, and it seems like that momentum has really died off. What's what's happened to Thomas Rawls and Jeremy Langford's stock that you've seen, and is there any insight you can give us into that situation for, for both Rawls in Seattle and Jeremy Langford in Chicago? Well, I can tell you exactly what happened to Jeremy Langford. Mike Clay wrote like a smear piece on how much he sucks, and then everyone believes Mike Clay, so that's what happened to his ADP. Um, it, it went from like round four to round eight overnight. It was kind of insane um, just how poorly he performs on base defenses. Then they go and they draft Jordan Howard in the second round, and you're like, oh, well, this is probably going to be a split. If he doesn't getting, if he doesn't even end up getting the goal line carries, he could be pretty useless. Um, so I think there's a lot of negative narratives that go in when you're talking about Jeremy Langford, and that offense isn't going to be great to begin with. That said, if he continues to go where he's going now, you know, it's going to be fine. Uh, if you have to invest an eighth-round pick in Jeremy Langford or wherever the hell he's going at this point, let me look that up where he's going. But I, I, that makes sense. Rawls is just a, it's so hard to trust a running back when you haven't seen him coming off a devastating injury. Uh, I know guys come back all the time, and it's fine, but especially when it's like Seattle and you don't know what's going on. Pete Carroll's just a gigantic liar. Uh, they say he's going to be ready. They also told us that Jimmy Graham is going to be fine. He's not going to be fine. So I, Thomas Rawls is weird. Right now he's being drafted as the 13th running back off the board. Where you guys are seeing him go is kind of where I saw him go, too. Yeah. Like he went in the middle of the seventh round of that draft that I was talking about. But on average, he's going at the end of the third round. End of the third round is way too high for a guy with so many question marks. But in the fifth round, sixth round, and seventh round, the potential he has, because without knowing that he had a setback in the injury, he was a fringe top ten guy. Um, so it's almost like the Josh Gordon situation where you take your chances in the sixth, seventh, and eighth round on a guy who could be really good. They might suck, and you have to bite the bullet. But when you have that much upside lying there, why wouldn't you go for it? Yeah, I guess the difference between Thomas Rawls and Jimmy Langford is we all think that Thomas Rawls is, is the shoo-in for the, to be the starter for we Seattle. We don't know that, I think there's, Yeah, I think there's a little more certainty there than Jeremy Langford, right? I mean, Yeah, Jeremy- I, I, w- I would say that's true, but the, the rules could change. I mean, what we saw last year was the end of Marshawn Lynch, basically. So the offense never got really altered to fit a different running back. It was just, hey, Rawls is the most like Lynch. We'll plug him in. Now with an offseason, I'm not saying this is the case, but they go and they draft CJ Prosite, uh, Christine Michael. You know, According to Twitter, he's you know, going to be the starter again, so we'll see about that. Um, he won't be. But like no. they could pass more to their running backs. They could run more of a spread offense. They could use you – know, there could be different parts of it. And Rawls could just still be hurt is the thing. When you're dealing with a massive like – shin explosion uh, that's gonna be tough to come back from and let me give you a cu- another running another couple running back situations so two two running backs that me and jeff like later in the drafts good solid value picks that people are going to be sleeping on a little bit um one is richard jennings um in new york and the other one is justin Forsett. but we know that you know kenneth dixon they drafted kenneth dixon in baltimore paul perkins in new york um the giants use a running back by committee Last year, with all those running backs, there's been some rumblings that they're going to, you know, shift to a more of a one running back approach and allow Rashard Jennings to get more carries. How are both those back? I mean, how do you see both those backfields shaking out over the course of the year? And let's look at each situation. Who's the running back that you want to own um, for for each team? Ooh, I, it's a situation I'm trying to really avoid. I hate these decisions when it comes to fantasy football. Obviously, there are certain leagues where you have to take guys like this. Like that 16-team league I talked about having Rashad Jennings. You know, it's, it's nice to have Rashad Jennings from time to time. And a 10-team or 12-team or just a headache, I want no part of. But Jennings is the guy for the Giants that you do want. I'm not really sweating Paul Perkins at all. Like Even in the first preseason game, they were working a split in the backfield with the first team. It was Jennings and it was Shane Vereen, and Jennings was the one that was getting the goal line work. Andre Williams did not come into the game like you would normally expect him to do, so that's good news on the Rashad Jennings front, and maybe he can, he had a good end of last year, maybe you can patch together, like uh, my my buddy Gary and Thorne uh, actually mentioned on my show that 
if you draft Le'Veon Bell and you have to wait those four weeks, if you don't get D'Angelo Williams, Rashad Jennings is kind of a cheaper alternative that you could potentially plug in for the first four games. I thought that was somewhat interesting um, and maybe not that bad of an idea if you do wait on running backs. But in Baltimore, who knows, man? Terrence West looked like the guy that was tearing it up in the first preseason game. Let's We kind of have to let that play out. Forsett right now makes a very cheap gamble, and if it's not him, you cut him. It's not that big of a deal. You didn't have to spend that much to get him. But I, I don't know if there's going to be one lead back in Baltimore. Uh, having that guy is going to be critical i suppose if you can pick right but you don't want to be loading up with four baltimore running backs on your bench from a draft i'd rather just see if it plays itself out and maybe i can nab whoever it is off the waiver wire because i have a feeling that whoever you end up picking is going to be the wrong choice uh and then all of a sudden oh wow there's buck allen he's the starter now and that's the way it's going to have to go what would be um Pat, any any sleepers that you've got kind of in the back end of uh, your draft that you're looking at? I mean, you you said you're in a 16 team leaguer. That's that's you know really deep. Uh, who are some people you're targeting late that you think might become a role on your team, or you're just you're you're throwing you know you're picking and hoping something could happen with them? Uh, DeAndre Washington's probably the first one. I don't think Latavius Murray is very good uh, to begin with. I mean, he's fine, but he's a guy a plotter that you're going to give. 18 carries a game for 78 yards. Eventually, you're going to want something different. So I think that Washington is the clear choice as the handcuff to Murray. If anything were to happen to him, he would step into the winning role or the lead role. But he could win that job anyway because he is very good. So I'd take that chance. I keep getting Charles Sims everywhere uh, almost for the same reasoning. But in PPR leagues, he has a built-in floor. Like I would stay as far away from Doug Martin as possible this year like, even last season Charles Sims played 42 percent of Tampa's snaps it's a lot of snaps and when you're only playing 58 percent of the snaps and you're Doug Martin your upside is relatively limited like by comparison someone like D'Angelo Williams who I, I don't care if he gets benched after four games I'm still going to take him anyway and hold him on my team like when Bell was out last year he played 93 percent of the snaps when you're on the field that often it just generates fantasy points like I talked about this uh, the other day when it comes to defenses like the 49ers defense is not very good however with Chip Kelly increasing their pace of play they're probably going to run 100 to 150 more plays on offense this year and it will speed up the game which means when they're on the field that the other team will be passing more which means they'll get more plays run against them theoretically which gives them more opportunities to generate picks, to generate sacks, to generate fumbles. I don't care if they give up 25 points. If they can continue to pile up those numbers, they'll be a good fantasy defense in the right matchup. So like week one against St. Louis, they should... I'm not saying they're going to kill St. Louis because the defense isn't all that great, but they should have ample opportunity to pick off whoever is starting, whether it's Goff, whether it's Keenum, to generate those turnovers. And I I think it's sort of things like that that people don't want to point out when it comes to defenses. But yeah, those guys, DeAndre Washington... Charles Sims, D'Angelo Williams, all guys that I've been gravitating towards uh, towards the end of drafts, and I, I think they're going to be pretty good, to tell you the truth. Uh, Pat, I wish, wish you didn't mention Charles Sims. That just encourages Jeff's obsession with uh, Jamal's uh, tr- Charles Sims, which has risen to unhealthy levels. That was a, a player we were arguing about in the draft. He was trying to get me to take him, it seemed like, every single round. What, what after... round did you get him in? We didn't. That's the problem. We didn't get him. Yeah, we didn't get him. <laughs> when did he go? Uh, he went in the eighth round. I mean, for an RB2, like you said, who's playing tons of snaps and in a PPR league, I mean, he's a really good compliment. I guess just kind of seconds, you know, just backing up everything that you said. It, I, the one problem, I suppose, is like I wouldn't want to rely on him as my RB2 out of the gate. But I think he has a chance to play himself into a larger role. And if you had to play him at running back, too, you could. It's almost like Theo Riddick in that sense. But, I mean, I would want to rely on, like, you know, even someone like DeMarco Murray, I suppose, over him. I just want to have him on my team. So, in case something happens, I feel like he could be a giant PPR impact guy, like a top 10 running back if something would happen to Doug Martin. Not because he's so highly skilled, but a lot like Buck Allen last year, where it'd be like, oh, when you look at the end of the stat lines, oh, Charles Sims had 11 carries for 42 yards, and he had seven catches for 61. Maybe he scored a touchdown. Like, that. that's what you want from a guy that you draft in the eighth round. Uh, and for comparison's sake, where'd he go here? Because I missed out on him. He went one pick before me in the seventh round of this PPR draft. So uh, pick 11 of the seventh round uh, is where he went in the one that I did. So seventh round sounds like the spot if you want him. Because it seems like a lot of people like him, right? 
Yeah, it sure does. And I know we got to wrap up here. We're taking up all your morning, but uh, what are your thoughts on? Because I made this comparison that I thought Chris Thompson had a lot of similar characteristics in terms of roles and as Charleston's, but obviously not as reliable. And he's going much, much, much later. So if you're in a much deeper team, what are your thoughts on grabbing Chris Thompson for some of the similar reasons that you know Charles Sims is attractive to, um, for people? I will say that I don't think they're necessarily the same. I do like the idea of getting Chris Thompson later in PPR draft. PPR only, though, because I just don't think he'll ever assume the full-time role. One of the things that I do like about D'Angelo Williams and Sims in Washington is that if anything happened to the starter, I feel like they would be the next man up to assume the entire workload. So when I project out what their opportunity would be in a situation where an injury happens or something like that, it's really massive. With Chris Thompson, I don't think that's the case. If Matt Jones goes down, I don't think you're going to necessarily see Chris Thompson play 70% of the snaps and get 15 carries a game. I think that Keith Marshall comes in, or maybe it's Rob Kelly, who knows, but I don't think that that's how they want to use the very slight Chris Thompson. I can see him getting hurt. Uh, He's not a between-the-tackles runner. He'll continue to get his catches every week, and he'll play that role from the outset, as Charles Sims does now, but I don't see that role really expanding, almost like Theo Riddick in a way, where you could take away everyone in Detroit, and they still wouldn't give Theo Riddick 15 carries a game. Yeah, and, and Pat, last question. Um, I want you to, to settle a score for us here. Meet me and Jeff, one of the players that we disagree on. And we don't we don't disagree on a lot, um, but there are several players we disagree on that we've been butting heads over. One is Matt Forte. I, I want you to, to settle this once and for all for us because Jeff doesn't like Matt Forte. I think he's going at a pretty good value. He's in a he's in a better offense this year. He If he would have played those three games that he missed or four games that he missed last year, he probably would have finished in one of the top three running backs in fantasy. He's still really good, and I feel like the Jets last year didn't really have anybody they, they could rely on. Chris Ivory was inconsistent. Bilal Powell is kind of one-dimensional. He kind of follows the Charles Sims role, and Stephen Ridley was terrible. Um, so I feel like Matt Forte is going to have a sneaky good season in New York this year in a better offense. He can do everything. What are your thoughts? Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm at Forte and where he's going in drafts this year. Uh, I still think he's going too high, but I'm kind of with you. I do think that he could be very sneaky. Uh, You get him in the middle of the fourth round, I'm fine with that, depending on the other receivers that are still there. Like, you mentioned you took Jordan Reed. I took Jordan Reed. When I got to that pick and I was looking at the running backs that were available, it was like Doug Martin, Matt Forte, C.J. Anderson, Latavius Murray. Uh, Of that group, I had Matt Forte ranked by far the highest. I I just like some of the other running backs that were further down the list that I knew I could get with my next two picks. So I went with Jordan Reed instead. But I think fourth round is about where you want to take him. If you don't want to invest that much draft capital into Forte, I I think that taking Powell later, especially in a PPR, is probably a wise move. There's already rumblings that it could be a split. Or, you know, if something happens to Matt Forte, which is not out of the question, especially because he's a terrible goal line back, uh, they might actually just find someone to come in and replace him in that sense. That could hurt his value. But I think the skills are probably still there. And he has one of the most fantasy-friendly skill sets you could have, especially in a PPR league. Yeah, I... I for 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 me, I just think that all the running backs they brought in and kept with Bly Powell, I, they like Bly Powell. They use him a lot. And where he's going to, to your point, he went in the third round last night. So, I mean, that's, that's too high. That's way too high. And, and in the fourth round, I feel like I'm always going to be like, well, I'd much rather have Decker or Macklin or something like that. But Oh, if those two guys are there, I, I'm with you. I mean, right. yeah, Macklin, Decker. Yeah, for sure. For sure, I'd rather have them over Matt Forte. <laughs> 
Um, all right, Pat. Well, thanks. Really, thanks for uh, taking some time with us. How can everyone uh, find you? I know you're doing so many things online and Pat Mayo Hour. And where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at the PME, and you can basically find everything through there. If you uh, own a television, I suppose you could pester your cable company if you still have cable most people don't but um we do have a 24-hour fantasy sports network uh that you can you know encourage people to go get uh most cable providers haven't at this point if yours doesn't just send them an email or you know, write them a mean tweet and they'll probably end up picking up if not just go to fntsy.com or the fantasy sports network youtube page and check out everything up there we got a lot of content these days yes and um it, it, you know you're writing and talking sports for a living. That's awesome. Uh, for anyone who is a cord cutter like I am, you can still actually get the Fantasy Sports Network app on Apple TV. So that's pretty sweet as well. Yeah. Apple TV, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire Stick. They usually present me a sheet with this. I have to read at the end of every show, but I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying to recall it from memory here. Xbox One has it. That's neat. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, all these streaming devices are awesome. So you can yeah, find it. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, you could pretty much find you anywhere. Yeah, wherever multimedia exists, uh, I'm lingering about somewhere. Great, great. Well, thanks, Pat, for taking the time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, Jeff, that was a pre- pretty good interview with, with Pat. I feel like we, we crammed um, a lot of good questions into that that time period that we had, and we had to, to wake him up early on a Saturday morning, but uh, he was a good sport and definitely gave us a lot of insight, um, particularly like his answer to the Matt Forte question and it was really interesting when we we asked him about the keenan allen brandon marshall allen robinson conundrum that you and i were in last night and he seems to be more more with me on the whole brandon marshall thing yeah i mean but again we're first of all it was more than a pretty good uh interview with pat mayo he woke up on a saturday morning to it talk. was a great and it was a great interview <laughs> uh and, and more you know great guy he got up at saturday morning at 9 a.m to talk with us so uh, we really appreciate that, but we're splitting hairs here when we're talking Allen Robinson, Brandon Marshall, Keenan Allen. I love all three of them. You say you pick one, Pat picks one over the other. Allen Robinson's number two seems like on the list out of everyone. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, th- does it really matter? At, but but right now, everything matters at this time of year. I mean, everything matters. I, I just think I'm- that there's not going to be that much of a difference that we can really tell right now to really be like, no, no, Brandon Marshall should be over Allen Robinson or, you know, Allen Robinson should be over Keenan Allen. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're all so close. Well, I think he made a good point. When The difference between Brandon Marshall, maybe it doesn't overall point totals at the end of the year. They're going to be in the, in the ballpark. You're right on that. But I think with Brandon Marshall, he delivers he, – he's a, he's a model of consistency – Week in and week out, you know you're going to get from Brandon Marshall. He's going to be super consistent. Allen Robinson is going to blow the cover off the ball um, half the weeks. And then there's going to be those weeks when he you know, he doesn't put up a goose egg, but he's going to have like three catches, 30 yards, and he's going to let you down. Um, they won't, you know, there'll be few and far between, but there will be those games where Brandon Marshall in that offense is going to be a juggernaut week in and week out. So, you know, I, it all comes down to a matter of preference. I'm a, I'm a big believer in Brandon Marshall. Um, I know we're, we're splitting hairs, or as you would say, hears. <laughs> well, I, I, this is why you need to have your tiers set up, right? I mean, you can have Allen Robinson, Brand Marshall, and Keenan Allen, and Jordy, who are all available. Um, and I know he would have went back-to-back wide receivers, but with the 2-2, we talked a lot about, you know, you can only start maximum three wide receivers. When you have everyone on the same tier, then, you know, you go off of preference or whatever kind of tiebreakers you're using, but... Three picks later, or right after Jordy Nelson, Brandon Cooks went and Amari Cooper, and they're in a different tier. And I feel like you got to know the tiers at this point because you can't be taking someone like a Brandon Cooks right after like a Keenan Allen went or an Amari Cooper. I mean, I, I don't mind Brandon Cooks, but you know, in the middle of the second round, I feel like there's a big drop off there. Yeah, there is, and that, and that was kind of the spot that we were in at that point. Those are really the three last elite receivers, and then you have Mike Evans too. But I, I have to say, though, I and the only thing that I really disagreed with with him on was how he, he said he would take Mike Evans and Alshon Jeffrey there. I mean, I, I completely disagree with the the sentiment on Alshon Jeffries with with the injury. I concerns. think he might have been. I think he might have been talking about the. Uh, now I forget, but he also might have been talking about the turn um, if he had one of the the top three picks as well. Because because those uh, wide receivers and they did in this draft, they fall all the way to the third round. 
Yeah, I, I just think those were clearly the three best. Keenan Allen in a PPR league is an animal. And then Brandon Marshall and Allen Robinson with the upside, the touchdowns. I feel like they were in a class of their own. And I think they're, they're all head and shoulders above Mike Evans. I know Mike Evans went after them. But it seems like a lot of people, and I think Pat's one of them, would would probably take Mike Evans in that situation. I, I could be wrong. Maybe, but he did go in the middle of the third. And he brought up a really good point in terms of where he likes to draft. He likes the top three. I, I like the top four because I really like AJ Green at four overall. But um, but the point is, at the end of the second round, as he even mentioned, Jamal Charles was falling all the way to late second, early third. Um, and then you have these Alshon Jeffries, Mike Evans of the world falling into the third round. So there's a lot of really good value there. And if, if, so if everyone's listening, they get their choice to select on where to draft. I feel like this year, more than others, it's at the top end of the draft. Yeah, I think you could you could do worse than having the seventh or eighth pick even then because you get the advantage of getting Jamal Charles on the way back down at a discount where me and you really had to – I mean it seems crazy to say we, we reached for Jamal Charles with a 12th overall pick, but it really seems that the way, the way things are shaking out this year with Jamal Charles and his ADP, it seems like we took him – You know, we, we paid a premium to get Jamal Charles with the 12th pick. It, it sure does, and – you know, that's the kind of the downside about being in a snake draft as opposed to an auction. And we love auctions for this reason, is you can really go ahead and hand select all the players you want at the appropriate price level um, as opposed to, quote-unquote, me and you, Seth, last night reaching for Jamal Charles just because we didn't have a pick in the back end of the second round. Yeah, so I mean, let's, let's talk about some of these players because the interesting thing, I mean, this is a league where, you know, they're not all experts, but there are some decent players, right? It's for money. Um, and you know, when, when you're in this draft, it's the first draft of the season. It's interesting to see, okay, this is like the first like draft where you're going to be able to see like, okay, where, are, where are people taking players? Like we know we've, we've done mock drafts. We see, look at ADPs, but until you actually get into, you know, an actual draft, you know, that, that counts, it's hard to get a, a good grasp on like where players are going to go. Cause there's always gonna be people that, you know, players that go way too high, way too low. So you get a really good idea on like good value plays, you know, players that are just going way too high. Um, so let's let's talk about some of these players, Jeff, last night that that way we saw high. yeah, that go way too high. And I think that the one that jumps out to me, and this is like the first player we saw that were like, What? Was Michael Thomas, who went in the seventh round. Yeah, I mean there was there was a whole number of people um even earlier that that were not like as crazy as Michael Thomas, but they were a little bit high, which we touched on with Pat Mayo. But I think that Michael Thomas was really eye-opening. But also Josh Gordon, and and, and it's funny because it was good to get Pat's perspective because he Pat will take Josh Gordon the six, but I can't. I mean, I just cannot wrap myself uh, wrap myself. I cannot bring myself to take someone who's been out of league for two years and then hold on to them for four weeks. You know my roster spots, Seth. They are valuable. Yeah, every single one. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, super valuable. Super valuable. and Nothing's more valuable in life than your than your bench spots. I just, what is attractive to a guy? And I guess he's going in the sixth round, but it's not even that much value, I feel like, because, I don't know, Alan Hearns is going there, Dante Moncrief's going there, Tyler Lockett went after him, so it's, I just, I don't like where Josh Gordon's going. Again, he's a Cleveland wide receiver with RG3 throwing him the ball, hasn't played in two years, and he's missing four games. I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah, I think it's the upside. He had that one huge year, um, and there's some upside with Robert Griffin, too. You know, I think he... With the how bad the quarterbacks have been in Cleveland over the years, if Robert Griffin can get back and you know, change of scenery, that could help him. He had brought Corey Coleman in, um, Hugh Jackson, right? With if he can replicate a lot of what he did in, in Cincinnati, if that offense can turn it around and get you know become a little bit more productive, Josh Gordon with the upside that he brings in, we don't know what to expect with Josh Gordon. I think Pat made a really good point on at the very least, you know, when it gets closer to Week Four. People are going to get, you know, more anxious to get Josh Gordon because yep. there's going to be that um, anticipation with him. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was a great point. I mean, uh, that he's like you could at yep. least trade him 150 percent of his of his draft stock, um, value wherever you drafted him. I thought that was a great point. One thing too, like, and this goes back to you know the tips for Courtney. One thing that I would add to my advice to Courtney is like, don't read too much into preseason. I, you know, it made me think when Michael Thomas went so high last night couldn't help but think 
you know, how much did that preseason game play into that? Because mm. he had a he looked pretty good against New England in the preseason, the first preseason game. And I feel like a lot of people um, in, in the past, I've been, you know, I've been, um, you know, I've done this as well, is people read too much into preseason. They see one player, you know, usually it's like a rookie. Um, they're in the game against, um, you know, second teamers, third teamers, players that, you know, like for, for New England's defense that aren't going to be starting the year anyways. Um, and they're in garbage time. He's not catching balls from Drew Brees. Um, he looks good, and people read a little too much into that. I mean, how much do you think that played a role in, you know, Michael Thomas and where some of these other players are going, you know, when people reach on them? Uh, a lot. And, and it's hard not to because they flash right in front of your eyes, right? Like, they're making plays right now. Like, the upside is there. But, you know, I would say don't draft a, a rookie before eighth round. There's no rookies besides, obviously, Ezekiel. But, I mean, uh, depending on where he goes, besides Ezekiel, don't draft a, a, a rookie before the eighth round. And the first rookie off the board should be, besides Ezekiel, um, should be Sterling Shepard, right? Oh, absolutely. He's, he's going to be – and you talk about NFL ready, someone that can help you this year. You know, forget Dynasty Leagues. Who can help you this year? Sterling Shepard has got to be the top of the list. Right, absolutely. What else did you see from the draft last night, Seth? Um, so I mean, just, I don't know. I don't really know where to start. There's so many places. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders um, went in the seventh round as well. First pick in the seventh round. We come. We talked about that last night on the spot. Right, great value for Emmanuel Sanders. We understand Mark Sanchez is the quarterback. Um, he had somewhat of an off year last year with the, you know, quarterback situation the Broncos had, but. Still great value for Manuel Sanders, seventh round. Um, so he stood out. You know, Charles Sims, someone you're big on, went late in the eighth round, right? Yeah. Um, so it seems like for for what Pat was saying, that's really good value for Charles Sims. He said seventh round is where you gotta have to you're gonna have to eye him. Yep. Um, it, what are some players you noticed? Those are a couple of good ones. Um, four set in the ninth. Again, you don't want to get stuck in a situation where, as Pat said, Charles Sims is your RB2. Of course not. But you're going to get into those drafts where everything's not following the way they should be or, or whatever. But you have to be prepared. And you have to know who in these 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th rounds um, can help fill up these holes for you. So... Charles Sims is a great one. Justin Forsett's a possibility. Darren Sproles going in the ninth round is a possibility. Um, you know, I don't know if they're consistently going in these spots, but that's where they went last night. And, of course, quarterbacks. I mean, I, I'm all over Tampa Bay this year, Seth. You know, James Winston went in the 11th. I like that. I mean, the guy threw for 4,000 yards last year. Not going to read into his game one season, preseason opening drive, but... You know, uh, here's another one too. Palmer going in the eighth. You know, I feel like he's close to that upper echelon of quarterbacks. And he's got a great offense, but he's most certainly not getting treated like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's that's definitely kind of low for Carson Palmer. It seems like there's was he the fourth or fifth quarterback that went off the board? He was going the same round as Eli and Blake Bortles, and I feel like Carson is yeah. clear head and shoulders above them. Yeah, and you can make you can make the argument that Blake Blake Bortles is somebody that has a little more upside um, than Carson Palmer. I mean, they they definitely throw it a ton. They're always playing from behind. Uh, that's not a bad one. Um, one one player that's I was um, there's two players, both receivers. One is Brandon Cooks. Went ahead of both Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Evans, and those are just two off the top of my head that he too went high. ahead of Anti White Hilton. Yeah. too high. Yeah, one player though, and this is a player that I, I you know, we do this draft together. Um, like I said, we agree on a lot, but there's several players we disagree on. One is Julian Edelman. I just like him more than you do. I mean, you for some reason think he's the most risky player um, under the sun. Um, he went late in the fifth round. That's way too late for for a player like Julian Edelman, who's an animal in PPR leagues. I know there's somewhat of an injury risk associated with him um and brady's out for four games but i, I just but think here's, that here's the problem with the julian edelman last night and this is why you know snake drafts are you know eh for me like i much prefer auction after last night um you know we had to take him with the, our fourth fourth our first pick in the fourth round edelman so it, it's not like we had the opportunity to take him in the fifth seth because we didn't so the truth is we had to take him with the first pick in the fourth round he would have been our third wide receiver and all our receivers would have been full. So I think we made a better pick with Jordan Reed there, but 
the truth is we didn't have a chance to take Edelman. We took Jordan Reed, who was a better value play at that point, first pick in the fourth round, and Edelman just never made it all the way back to us because we had to wait 24 picks. Yeah, I mean, you have someone like Golden Tate and Sammy Watkins going ahead of Edelman. I mean, it's I mean, it's just insanity. Um, I, I again, I just think that you know Thomas Rawls went ahead of Edelman. Um, you can go all the way down the line. There's so many players that went. I mean, Dante Moncrief went a few picks after Edelman. It's just just it's just insanity with, with Julian Edelman. I mean, to me, he should be a top four round player. No questions asked. Here's another one too, and I know we got to wrap up this uh, episode. Um, how about T.J. Yeldon? Tenth uh, round, he went in the tenth round. He's going to be splitting carries, and, and I know he's not the goal line back. Chris Ivory went in the seventh. Maybe you can even say, what are your thoughts on just that whole backfield? Chris Ivory went in seventh, and T.J. Yeldon went in the in the uh, tenth. I well, let's put it this way: I would much rather have T.J. Yeldon in the tenth than Ivory in the seventh. I just don't like Ivory. I mean, I know they they brought him in. Listen, they drafted T.J. Yeldon last year. He was a rookie last year. Um, he had an okay rookie season. I, I just think that the running back that you want to have is T.J. Yeldon because I just feel like he has a little bit more upside. I mean, I could be wrong, and you know, I'm not following the Jacksonville running back um, situation as closely as as others maybe because I feel like you, there's really not a whole lot we're gonna know until the season starts. I would just rather have TGL than I know Chris Ivory's you know going to be the goal line back, but I think over the course of the year they have more invested in TJ Yeldon. He's a second year player. I think he's a. I still think he's going to be a better runner. Um, I don't know. I've just seen enough out of Chris Ivory the past few years to just be a little you know a little underwhelmed, if you will. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's Jacksonville, so we shouldn't be getting yeah. excited about any running backs nope, on exactly. there. So I'm underwhelmed on both of them. I was just curious to get your feedback because Chris Ivory is the goal line person. I don't think they have a whole lot invested in TJ Yeldon, to be honest. I mean, they went ahead and paid Chris Ivory, but TJ Yeldon was, what, a second-round pick? In, in this day and age with the NFL, they need multiple running backs on their roster. So they have really nothing overly committed, I think, to TJ Yeldon to say, hey, we're going to give you more carries than Ivory. No, I think they're going to get split carries. Um, yep. And Chris Ivory will get the goal line carries until, until you know, until he gets hurt, which would will probably happen yeah. at some point. Yeah, I mean, all I'm, all I'm saying is I view them as, as equal. Like I, I it's it's fifty fifty toss up who and who's going to be more valuable. If you can get one of them three rounds later than the other, that's who you want to get. And it looks like, I mean, again, small sample size is a first draft, but it looks like T.J. Yeldon is going to be the one that goes later. Um, than Chris Ivory because Chris Ivory is going to be the touchdown guy. Yep. Okay. Anything else, uh, Seth, you want to wrap up with? No. I mean, I, I think, you know, again, we touched on a lot of the stuff. I think with, with the roster sizing, that's one of the things that, you know, you and I are, are going to gripe about and complain about a lot. I mean, we were in a league, you know, shallow roster sizes. You know, we're going to have, you know, if you think about our bench, you know, we love receivers. This is what we get ourselves into. But we're going to have John Brown, Tyler Lockett, Steve Smith, all on our bench. Um, one player, too, and then we, then we got to go. But one player was Chris Johnson. This is one of our – what round did we take Chris Johnson in? The 16th round. And I, I don't know about you. I, I feel like that's a great – Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Value. Chris Johnson had a really good season last year. Like he, you know, kind of like a, a, re, a rejuvenated season last year for Chris for Chris Johnson. Um, David Johnson's supposed to be the guy. He could get injured. Um but I think at the very he's definitely somebody that you can depend on to still get carries in that offense. So 16th round, 
you could do a lot worse than getting somebody like Chris Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. I know we were, we're talking about it. We're like, well, we don't expect a whole lot of him. But here's the thing. One is he's the actual handcuff, right? So we talk about all these other handcuffs that you have to have. D'Angelo Williams, who's obviously starting for four games, a little bit different. But Charkandrick West and Spencer Weir and the whole Jacksonville running backs that we just talked about, and we could probably go down the list. Um, multiple Baltimore running backs going off the board. Um, yeah, multiple New York Giants running backs going off the board. So Chris Johnson is getting completely overlooked. He's the handcuff to David Johnson. Uh, and he's going to be getting carries week one. So I don't know if he's going to be obviously impactful at all um, startable week one. But in the 16th round, if anything does happen to David Johnson, he's the guy. And like you said, you could do worse for yourself. Yeah, and he did a really good job reinventing himself last year. He didn't try and do too much. He didn't try and you know turn every single run into the, a home run play. It's a great offense. They used him really well. But I think, yeah, I think Chris Johnson is going to be somebody that is going to go, and this is going to happen every single draft. So, you know, 16th round, this is where you can expect to get him. I, yeah, I, I really like him. Yeah, and by the way, the same person who drafted Michael Thomas also drafted Terrence West after he had those two goal line touchdowns, those two garbage second quarter touchdowns in the first preseason game. So please, everyone, do not read into the preseason. Terrence West is still garbage. Yeah. Um, Okay, that's going to wrap up our episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We are the NFL Talking Heads. Please visit our website, nfltalkingheads.com, to submit us a uh, a question. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, NFL Talking Heads. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Try saying that three times fast. With your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowe. We'll catch you next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.